1: episode 26 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, part of the Pinstripe Alley Community of Podcasts. Sean and Ryan with you to preview the ALDS which gets underway Friday. Exciting times for the Yankees and we're actually able to enjoy the wild card games this year. We're also going to talk to former Yankee Chris Dickerson, get uh get his take on the on the postseason and and hear his story of some injuries he's had to overcome, much like the Yankees have had to do this year. Um, but Sean, first things first, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling heading into? And we're recording here on Thursday, so one more day, and then it's time for uh, the Yankees to have a playoff series and hopefully avenge uh, last year's early playoff
2: exit. Well, I think the twins will be looking to avenge a lot of early playoff exits at the hands of us, but, um, it's a totally different twins team. And that kind of makes me nervous. This twins team is really good. Um, they have played against softer competition than the Yankees, which that gives me, gives me a, a good feeling. The Yankees have definitely been put through the gauntlet and we see a team like the Rays that the Yankees played well, uh, that last series in Tampa, notwithstanding, it was still, that first game was close. Um, we've seen what they do against high caliber teams. So um, I'm hopeful, but a little cautious about this twins team. Cause I think this, this team is a little scarier than people are giving them credit for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they did set the all time record for home runs. This team can, can certainly hit, you know, they did lose Byron Buxton. That that's a big injury, but the Yankees have plenty of key players that they've lost as well. And, and, you know, people can make a big deal all they want about past performances against the Twins in the playoffs, but like you said, this team is vastly different even than its 2017 version when the Yankees beat them in the wild card game. This is a very different team than that one that took the field that night, and um, and you know, I mean, I, I guess if it's a uh, if it's any. Reason for confidence. You can think back to the series in Minnesota, which was so much fun. I mean, if if this series is anything like that one, it's going to be a a lot of stress, but also a lot of a uh, lot of excitement. But you know, looking back at that series, that was also during that stretch where the Yankees' rotation was at its absolute worst of the season. They that was pretty much their bottom right before the um, the series in Fenway. So. You know, you look at the Yankees' recent performance rotation-wise in September, they were one of the best rotations in baseball. Paxton has gotten back to form. Uh, Tanaka finally caved and changed his splitter grip, and he's improved. Severino's come back strong. So, you know, you look at all the runs that the Yankees put up, and that series was in Minnesota. So... You know, that that could be a reason reason for confidence. I don't think the rotation is going to be nearly as bad as they were in that series. And and also you have Severino back. So ho- hopefully that's a, a reason for confidence. And of course, the Yankees have home field. They're a completely different team at Yankee Stadium. So um, I'm excited, and I'm also feeling pretty confident. I, I feel feel pretty good about this series, especially because the first two games are in New York, which is you know, a very, very tough place for visiting teams to play. But, I mean, just just based on, you know, we obviously don't have any major league experience, but from, in your opinion, if, if the Twins do fall behind early and Yankee Stadium's rocking and, and, and all that, do you think that past experience creeps into their heads like, oh, man, here we go again, like this
2: team is just never able to beat the Yankees? I doubt it because um, a lot of those, a lot of the players that have faced that are, are gone. So I'm not, I'm not buying into the past experience narrative at all. Um, it, it, I don't think it happens. I mean, you know, one of their best, most prominent hitters, Nelson Cruz, has had a ton of success in the postseason, including games against the Yankees in the ALCS in 2010. So. I, I think it's more of an individual by individual basis. And I don't think many of those, I mean, who from the Twins really is going to say that? Nobody really has any experience except for the one wild card game. And they're probably thinking, well, we don't have Irvin Santana to, you know, crap the bed. So, <laughs> um, I mean, they don't have much in the, in the rotation department, but um, they, they don't have Urban Santana pitching at Yankee Stadium, which would be a huge advantage for the Yankees.
1: Yeah, they, they, it would be, and you're right. They, I mean, they don't. Ho, Jose Barrios had had a really good year through 200 innings and kept the ERA at 3.68. So obviously he was strong this year. Had a 3.3 WAR, and Jake Odorizzi always seems to give the Yankees problems as well. Even back during his time in Tampa.
2: So, well, this, I mean, luckily he he. Um, got hit around pretty good the last time they played. Yeah, that's true.
1: And, and the Yankees have shown an ability to do that against pitchers that they struggled with over um, a long period of time. I mean, they they had problems against Rick Porcello and obviously didn't anymore this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Sale, you can say the same thing, although he just looked like he had um, an off-year physically. Um, Keichel, they finally figured out, so... Hopefully the same trend goes for uh, goes for Oda Rizzi. And then and in terms of Berrios, he uh, you know, I'm I'm just looking at his stats right now. It looks like his last two months uh, he struggled a bit. So his last ten starts looks like he allowed sixty eight hits over fifty eight and two thirds innings, gave up ten home runs Uh, Opponent OPS 8.35, so that was that was good for a 5.83 ERA. So that's obviously not a small sample size. That was his last 10 starts of the season, and I think that was something we saw with the Twins as a whole over the past two months of the season. Again, they didn't stop hitting home runs. This is a really dangerous offensive team, but they also, that you know, they they got out to that incredible start to the season, but the but Cleveland almost caught up with them, and and the Twins mm-hmm. did did struggle a bit at times down the stretch. So, like you said, um, they definitely had uh, more time against weaker opponents, and just in in today's state of baseball itself, there are a lot of weak opponents to play against. But you know, again, this this doesn't this isn't telling of what is gonna happen in this series because this is just a really small five game sample size and we've seen in the past that how you play down the stretch doesn't really affect postseason play, both good or bad. We saw we saw the we saw Cleveland in twenty seventeen look like the most unstoppable team ever and the Yankees took them down in a five game series and then we saw you know, we saw the Yankees win what, two of their last fifteen games in two thousand and they wound up winning the World Series and but never even faced elimination during that postseason run so that it, it is that isn't always a telling factor how teams are playing down the stretch but the twins definitely weren't the version of themselves that they were to start the season over the final two months of the regular
2: season yeah I, I agree and I think you look at the pitching just for the last 30 games and you know like you're saying even over the last 30 when I'm reading the Athletic on the preview, and they're saying, "Well, Barrios kind of figured it out again down the stretch." But he pitched to a four-three er. He did go three and one in September, but he also pitched to a four-three with a one-point-two WHIP. So, I mean, you know that that's that's a that's some fool's gold in in the three and one record there. Um, but I, I mean, of of their rotation for anybody who's pitching now, the only person that really scares me. Um, is uh, Randy Dobnak, who's a rookie, and you know, other than that, um, you know, the Yankees seem to have figured out Odrissey. He's pitched the ball pretty well lately; uh, hasn't given up a home run in a while. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not overly worried about the Twins' rotation. But I think these are going to be some high scoring games. Even going to the game on Saturday, I still think we won't be home before eleven. yeah i
1: I was uh i was very happy that the game was announced to be at at five o'clock because i need to get back to connecticut that night and go to work the next morning so for just for that purpose alone i'm glad that i'm not going to be getting home at two in the morning which is which like you said is is that's optimistic (laughs) yeah it's a it's a strong possibility um forgot what I was going to say. Oh, we don't even know who's going to start that game yet. We're recording here on on Thursday morning, and the official uh, ALDS roster has yet to be announced. Same with the um, rotation. We would assume that the Yankees will go Paxton in Game 1 and then Severino or Tanaka in in Game 2. Boone said yesterday that, that the roster and the rotation will be announced today, so by the time... Everyone is listening to this podcast. This might be sorted out, but, you know, we're going to the game on Saturday. Who do you want to see start? Who would you feel more confident in watching uh, come Saturday late afternoon, early evening?
2: Um, just because I've seen him pitch in the postseason twice and given up a combined two runs in 12 or 13 innings, I'm, I'm all in <laughs> on Tanaka. Um, I... I think Severino's got a lot of talent, but I actually think Severino gets a little too amped when he pitches in the playoffs at home. We, his best game in the playoffs was at Houston when he gave up two runs. Um, it might be better to, to put him in Minnesota, um, and especially at Yankee Stadium, Tanaka's a ground ball pitcher, so you won't get as many fly balls unless he's hanging sliders, but when he's hanging them, they'll go out anywhere or if the splitter's not working. So um, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather see Tanaka, And then that gives you the option of bringing Tanaka back or uh, Paxton back for a game five or or piggybacking the righty-lefty situation. Now, the only thing that worries me about that is you assume game four is going to be a bullpen game. And you also assume that Severino, probably out of the three main Yankee starters that they'll use, will go the the least amount of time. So that would be a lot of stress on the bullpen back-to-back days. So if they pitch Paxton game one, and then Severino in game two... And Tanaka in game three, then at least game games one and three, you assume you're getting at least four innings out of your starter, maybe five Um, with Severino. You're probably looking at three, maybe four. So, I mean, it just depends how they want to play it. Um, And it could be a situation where they don't decide until, you know, after game one. Right.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's subject to change depending on, on how far Paxton goes in game one. Because you're right, I I think that's that's a great point. Severino has not fully worked himself all the way back physically. I think they topped him out at what, seventy to seventy five pitches before the regular season ended, so you know, maybe he can Maybe they'll let him get up to ninety or something like that. But he could he could always run into trouble. This is a really good Twins team that obviously mm-hmm. knocked him around in twenty seventeen, which was one of his two worst starts of his postseason career the other last year, also at Yankee Stadium. Whether he started warming up in time is a debate that we don't need to have, but um but the bottom line is that he has had two really poor starts at at Yankee Stadium in his postseason career, but he's also he's also had a really strong outing at Yankee Stadium in the 2018 wild card game against against again another really good Twins mm-hmm. offense, and um, and I think that game you kind of saw the exact formula that the Yankees would love to see in Game Two or Three whenever it is Severino pitches, you know, let them let him come out firing, empty the tank through four shutout innings, and then hand it over to the bullpen. Uh, obviously, I think if that happens, the Yankees have a really, really good chance of, of winning that game. But, like you said, day off in between game two and three, you would at least expect a longer outing from Tanaka, and that's just going off current physical condition and and past performance. In, in the postseason, so
3: mm-hmm.
1: maybe you need a more rested bullpen for Severino's start, so you could have him go game three and have Tanaka game two, which, you know, I, I don't know. I don't see it as that – I don't know. I don't see it as like a a decision that's going to decide the series, but if it were up to me, I think I, think I would like Tanaka in, in game two, just – just because of how he's pitched at the stadium in the postseason. And like you said, he he lives off the ground ball and could hopefully keep some of these twin sluggers in the ballpark. And I'm kind of just in the camp that I'm going to trust Tanaka in the playoffs until he gives me a reason not to, even if he struggled this uh, regular season with uh, getting used to the new baseball and everything. But he also had a few really up-and-down stretches the last two regular seasons. And then once the playoffs came, he was – postseason Tanaka again so I'm gonna trust Tanaka until he gives me a reason not to
2: I like it it's very old school thinking <laughs> but I like but I like it um
1: I'm a little embarrassed but
3: that's, that, just how that's I all right
2: feel. don't worry about it you feel how you feel um you know I think another thing that could play to the Yankees advantage and I was just scrolling through here is that um the Yankee the the Twins haven't seen anybody except for I think two innings of Hap that one game before he got hurt against the Twins early in the season and then Hap in that one series where the Yankees got hit around because otherwise that the Yan- they've only seen um, uh, what's his face uh, CC other than that they haven't they've seen Paxton for what two innings they haven't seen Severino once this year they haven't seen. Tanaka at all this year, so it could be to the Yankees' advantage that they'll be throwing a different look, um, a different look at them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you mentioned CC, and they still seem like they're very on the fence about even including him on the ALDS roster. What are your What are your feelings he'll, about that? He'll be on. Yeah, I still think he'll be on, but I, the only, th- you know, there, there. It seemed like they were being. I feel like their uncertainty was maybe like they just want to make sure he's, he feels okay and that knee mm-hmm. is is holding up. But I I would much prefer to see CeCe out of the bullpen for two innings than, you know, if, if it weren't him, I mean, what would they do? Go with a lefty like Tarpley? Because I would much rather have CeCe than, than Tarpley. And obviously much rather have CC than a Nestor Cortez. One of these other middling lefty relievers that have not – had too much uh too much success this season
2: yeah i um i yeah just cc please i mean he's and the other thing is with cc i mean let's say uh game game three they go with severino and he gives up five runs in a couple in three innings now you're not going to want to burn the bullpen if you're down five nothing you could put cc out there to eat up like three innings and then your bullpen is at least going to be relatively rested for the next game i mean that's you know that's something that that should be considered as well.
1: Yeah, and you want to have someone out there who can at least keep you in a game like that. Excuse me, mm-hmm. because because the Yankees obviously can eliminate that deficit at Yankee Stadium with that offense. So you want someone that can that can hold the fort, and I don't know Nestor Cortez with his recent performance, and he, and even Tarpley don't really uh, don't really scream hold the fort to me against the Twins' offense. And maybe CC doesn't either. He's obviously had his problems this year, but but he looked he looked good in his quick uh, quick relief stint, and maybe that's kind of a way to to maximize his current potential. Just have him out there in, in short stints where he's not repeatedly landing on that knee as much as he would in a normal start, and and he just feels better for for that abbreviated outing, and and is more effective. We'll uh, we'll see if he makes it. I'm confident he will. How about on the offensive side of things? Obviously, there's a lot to be settled. There's many who are um, who are against Didi on the roster because of how poorly he's struggled since coming back from, from Tommy John. There's also a lot of people uh, who don't want to see Luke Voigt on the roster because of how poor he's performed down the stretch. I think finished one for his last 32 or something like that. A lot of people think he's not at his full strength ever since um the sports hernia so of these of these fringe guys who uh what are you expecting to see from from the postseason roster on on the offensive end?
2: Well I actually I'm glad you brought that up. I was looking two days ago at um like barrel percentage, exit velocity, all that stuff. And I didn't save it because I was doing it on my work computer. So I apologize to listeners. I don't have the exact numbers. But Didi's, um hard hit percentage actually has went up in the last um, – in the last month. He started hitting the ball harder in September than he has all season by a significant margin. And Luke Voigt also was hitting the ball hard in September. His BABIP was just really low and he was taking – I think James Smith uh, tweeted this out that he was actually – he might be somebody else. So I apologize if I'm giving, giving uh, credit to the wrong person. Um that he was just taking a couple more strikes and his BABIP had dropped significantly. Uh, the problem with DD is that he was hitting the ball on the ground more. So I think they're both healthy because they're both hitting the ball really hard and, and harder than they have. Um, so I'm not really as worried as I was before looking that up because that to me says you have two healthy players that are probably just a tick off and um, – we know both of them. I mean, Luke Voigt had some some good at-bats in the, the playoffs last year, uh, especially in the wild-card game. And then the last game, uh, when they got eliminated, it worked a big walk off of um, Kimbrell in the ninth. And Didi, of course, has been a, a good postseason performer. Um, I think it comes down to matchups, honestly. Um, I think that against the lefty, you probably do sit Didi. He's a bat off the bench, and you, you play Urshela. Um, and I think against a righty, you, you could sit Urshela or you could sit Voight. It doesn't make a difference. But I think Incarnacion should be there if he's really feeling healthy. Um, the thing that worries me about the lineup the most is that it's going to take a little bit of a little bit of the series, I think, maybe for Sanchez and, and Encarnacion to get rolling. And I just hope it's not too late into the series before that happens.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think Encarnacion is crucial to this series. And if the Yankees are are to make a run at the World Series, they need his they need his home run bat, especially this series to help keep up with the Twins. And especially um, given how we saw him perform recently, <laughs> I love how you just took off like. Put your mic away from your mouth to cough, and it was still like as if you just coughed directly into the into the microphone.
2: I'm sorry, I could I not find the mute button fast <laughs> enough, and I I knew it was coming on. Sorry, <laughs> listeners.
1: But uh, no, especially how he performed after he came back from from the wrist fracture, and it sounds like he was swinging at at uh, as Boone would like to say, full bore, um, full bore, <laughs> full bore. Uh, yesterday in the Yankees simulated game, I think he faced Jordan Montgomery. So yeah, I mean Edwin Encarnacion is going to be huge to this series. As as to what you were saying earlier, um, with um, with Voit and and Didi, Um I think I'm more concerned about Voit. From August to September, his line drive percentage dropped. Forty-six percent, and his hard contact percentage was cut basically in half. Um, Didi, like you mentioned, um, definitely had a spike in hard contact. Went from thirty-three to forty-six percent from August to September. Um, his ground ball percentage went up, but not by much. It was at it was at forty percent. So obviously, that's a number you want to. Get down, but yeah, it seemed like Didi was starting to hit the ball harder, and um, and they're definitely going to need him if if um, I mean they said Urshela is is good to go after um that mild ankle sprain, and the way he's been hitting, he's, he's he's big to the lineup too. But you would you would love to see Didi be able to come up and perform like he did in in the 2017 playoffs. Um, how about how about Glaber? What do you what do you uh, what are you expecting to see from Glaber, who obviously was one of the Yankees most valuable offensive players this year? I know he um, struggled a bit in the playoffs last year, but he
2: sputtered a little bit down the stretch here too, especially the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, I, I also don't know how much of that was him being sat for you know a few days at a time because he was he kept getting mm-hmm. those injury scares where where we yeah. all like held our breath and was like and we're thinking oh boy like the season's over and so you know maybe that was disruptive. Hopefully, having what has it been five days off or whatever it is um, helps get him back to a hundred percent. But I, I, I definitely think if the Yankees are to be successful, he needs to play like he did throughout the regular season.
2: Yeah, I. Um... I don't disagree with you about the injury stuff. And I'm hoping, especially with having four full days off for the whole team, that all these guys come back full full strength. And, you know, after they have their practices, they feel ready to go. Um, so I, th- I think the rest could be good. Um, but, yeah, Torres looked a little jumpy in the postseason last year. That's for sure. And we see him get like that sometimes. Um, so that is a concern. But I think maybe second time through, we'll see a little more relaxed Torres, I hope. And um yeah, I think I think a big thing is going to be um that Glaber and Gary specifically are are able to not chase that ball down and away because that's that's when they get into trouble when they're trying to pull that ball down and away. And we've seen how good Gary can be when he goes oppo with that. And I am that's something I'm gonna be looking for or early, is how he looks on 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 those kind of those kind of balls down and away and you know, we're specifically thinking about the double against the Astros, right? That's a perfect opportunity of doing doing what the pitcher gives you sort of thing. And if Glaber and Gary are able to calm down and do that and not try to yank the ball into the left field seats, um, which at Yankee Stadium you don't need to do, I think it, it's going to be a, a good series for the Yankees. That, that's kind of one of my keys. Yeah, he also had, had, yeah Sorry. he also
1: had a big oppo home run that um, in 2017 in the ALDS what was that game three against or game four against Cleveland?
2: Yeah. Yeah. he hit that line drive. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking about that just today because I, I'm reading the rumors of when the new star Wars trailer comes out. And I remember after he hit that home run, I'm like, it's safe. I could go watch the Monday night football game to, to catch the trailer really quick and miss a couple pitches. <laughs> anyway, that's how, that's how
1: exactly what happened to me last night, watching the wild card game. Um, Yandy Diaz hit his – oh, no, Tommy Pham hit that home run to dead center. And I was like, all right, um, safe to go put on the new Always Sunny. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome.
2: Um, So we haven't talked about Stanton yet.
1: Well, I was about to bring him up because you said that you were talking about how Torres and Sanchez need to be able to lay off those low-and-away breaking balls. And in my head, I was like, wow, you can definitely throw Stanton in that sentence because we saw him chase a lot of those – during the postseason last year, which again he just really didn't look like himself last year. I think, I think watching Stan in the playoffs last year was one of those times when you can really, you know, be like, okay, you know, we talk about how postseason stats are, are kind of a crapshoot because there's just such small sample sizes. But that really did look like um, a player who was pro- maybe trying to do a little too much in his um, first taste of of the postseason in the Bronx because he definitely was swinging out of his shoes on those low and away breaking balls. And he he did look good coming off the IL down the stretch this year. So obviously I'm looking at Stanton as a pretty big X factor for the Yankees playoff chances. I think Stanton and Encarnacion are two of the biggest X factors. And I don't mention a guy like Judge because Judge has been incredible this year. He's Back to superstar mode. We've seen what he's done in his postseason career. He was ridiculous in the postseason last year, and um, and was ridiculous in the ALCS in 2017. Was obviously huge in the wild card game last year and 2017. So I'm expecting superstar Aaron Judge. So I don't really consider him an X factor because I'm pretty confident in what we're going to get with Judge. So Stanton and Encarnacion are my two big ones. But yeah, I mean Stanton's definitely got a um get that chase rate down significantly from where it was in last year's ALDS.
2: Yeah, I I like we said though, I think that he'll he'll settle down and um I always think about when I see guys like that going chasing and I think about Paul O'Neill's quote like, you know, you can walk or hit, you know, a a line drive the opposite field and the fans cheer, they like that and you know. It's not the the worst thing in the world to go oppo or to take your walks, (laughs) especially in the postseason. I mean, in the postseason, I forget who said it, but a walk is a rally. I mean, that's – a walk at any time is a rally. It's like, you know, everything gets amplified. And um, we saw what walks will do if you're patient against uh, Hayter in the NL wildcard game. And sure enough, um, you know, the Yankees can follow the same script, I think. Walks and home runs are going to win this series, whoever Gets guys on and hits home runs with guys on probably wins.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say you know, that's walks. some
2: great analysis.
1: <laughs> no, walks are huge because probably whoever's coming up next is capable of putting the ball out of the ballpark in the Yankees lineup, and um, and if you're and if you're John Carlos Stanton, uh, a line drive to the opposite field, like you were mentioning that. Mm-hmm uh about what Paul O'Neill said. That's probably that's probably a home run because he's John Carlos Stanton. He can he can rope those lasers to over the right field wall. So I'm um, hoping for a big series from Stanton, not just because I think that's crucial to the Yankees' chances of winning the series, but also because I would really love to stop hearing all the uh criticism and complaints about Stanton. Obviously his Regular season was robbed of him because of injuries, but this was also a guy who has been really good the last two regular seasons and uh, before this one. And I would love to see that show on the uh, on the
2: postseason stage. Yeah, I I agree. That'd be that'd be fun. And I just I'm, I don't want to hear this narrative next year because it's ridiculous off of five. Well, I guess four games because how could you judge the wild card game at all? Hit home runs, so yeah.
1: That, that almost hey. went out of the stadium.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that was far. So anyway, um, so I guess like, what worries you about this series? What are you? What are you most hesitant about? I mean,
1: the, the, probably the Twins' ability to hit home runs themselves. I mean, the Yankees. You know, we 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 talked about CC coming into a game where the Yankees might be down four or five nothing, and um. You know, against a team like the Twins, that's a tough deficit to come back from because the Twins are a team that can match you in slugging and match you in, in run production via the home run because when you're down by a few runs, that's what you need to get back in the game, the two or three run home run, uh, that one swing of the bat that puts you right back into the game. And the Twins are a team that can take you right back out of it with one swing, as they've showed all regular season. They can... They can hit home runs with the best of them. They were the best in terms of hitting home runs this year. So, you know, obviously the Yankees, a team that has definitely shown susceptibility to the home run in terms of its pitching staff, whether it was uh, Tanaka, Hap. Um, oh, well, I was going to say Herman, but obviously he won't be a factor in this season, but he was susceptible to the home run as well. Um, so the Yankees definitely need to. Uh, Do their best to keep the ball in the park which i don't think that which they're obviously not going to be able to to do completely efficiently i I think it kind of needs to be accepted that the twins are going to hit some home runs that's what they do best and the yankees really just have to to match that and get what's probably going to be a close game to the to become a battle of the bullpens which is where the i think the yankees advantage will really show itself
2: well, the Twins have a good bullpen too, but the Yankees is well. The Yankees you know, we have, have we a great bullpen. We right. haven't even talked about the bullpen because it's such a such a thing that we're taking for granted. And um, I mean, obviously, anything could happen. We saw what happened to Josh Hader, but um, who except, had
1: also been struggling down the stretch, though.
2: Yeah, except for Canely, the Yankees seem to be going in with a pretty hot bullpen, uh, albeit underused in September, which could prove to be huge because they're rested. Yeah. So it's either rust or or rust or rest. I don't know how you quantify or qualify it, but um, we'll see how they, uh, how they respond. But, um, it's nice going into the playoffs without having that wild card game, just burn through your whole bullpen. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to be able to rest some guys. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely concerned about the twins power. They, they have some moxie about them. Uh, Um, going into this but you know one of the things they they finished the season with a very soft schedule um and they are i think nine games under 500 against teams that are above 500 and the yankees are 11 over so that that kind of disparity and how they perform against good competition definitely uh, is encouraging for me um but i think it's going to be a really really close series and um uh, do you want are you ready to make predictions, or do you want to talk about
3: anything else? <laughs> yeah, we
1: we can make predictions. I guess before we make our predictions, we should preface this with, um, you know, we broke down how each team has performed against good teams this year, how players have performed down the stretch this year, what we think the keys are based on how players have performed down the stretch. And um, I just think it should be prefaced with this is a five game series. Like you can throw any two teams together and any team could win it's it's just it's not it's not a big enough sample size where the better team eventually prevails the the Yankees just have to be better for a five-game stretch to win the series that's just how the playoffs are um I guess that that being said again I I, I still feel good about this series I think I just think getting that these first two games at, at Yankee Stadium is is huge huge for the Yankees obviously um, not um, a luxury they had the last two times they've been bounced from the postseason. So, I mean, I think we're going to see peak Aaron Judge this postseason. I think uh, the bullpen is going to be strong. I feel good about Paxton now that he seems to have gotten over that nagging knee injury and has started to pitch like, like an ace. Severino has done enough for me to feel good about how um, he can perform, and I think the Yankees take this series in four games. However, I do see all four of those games being close. I don't think you, know, you, you say you say a team wins in four games, so they win the series three to one. You're like, oh, they won pretty handedly. No, I'm I'm, I'm expecting I'm expecting four games where all of us are pulling our hair out and trying to settle our our heartbeats, and that they're going to be really fun fun games where big home runs just sw- swing the tide of the game and the Yankees win in 4.
2: It's funny you think of a close series and you're thinking okay this game was 2-1, this game was 4-3, but oh, I, I mean, mean we're probably, like we're that, probably no? talking 13-11 yeah. you know <laughs> games like that. Um I'm really worried about this series. I think I'm leaning towards the Twins probably winning. I know that's a surprise, but we said if a lot when we were talking, right? If Encarnacion is healthy, if Sanchez shakes the rust off, if James Paxton's ass is okay, if Severino can do that. So we've said a lot about some if about a lot of key players. And um, I mean, the Twins have a lot of ifs of their own, right? They have a couple guys coming back off injury too, Um, but – I don't know. They're they're so even, and the the Twins have been the the whipping boy for the Yankees for so long. It's eventually going to turn around where the Twins win one of these. I hope it's not this time. I think the Yankees could definitely win this. If the Yankees swept, I wouldn't be shocked. But I think I, I could see the Twins having a big series here. They have a little mojo going, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Twins. Sounds good. So I, we are split. I, I'm, I'm very worried about this series.
1: I could tell you've used the word worried more than Mike Francesa. Worried, worried, worried in this
2: podcast. Look, <laughs> I don't worry about the Twins, okay? <laughs> but like I said, it's it's one of those things where I wouldn't be shocked if the Yankees, um, if the Yankees swept or, or, or I'd be shocked if the Yankees got swept. But if the Yankees swept, I wouldn't be shocked. But I could also see the Twins maybe winning in five games.
1: Oh yeah, so, so could I. I think it's going to be a, a close series. I'm just, I don't know. I'm... I'm confident in this in this Yankees team. There's been so many times this year where we were like, Oh, the wheels are about to start coming off, these injuries are about to start showing themselves. The rotation is is showing itself for the glaring weakness it is, and, and the Yankees have always found a way to, to bounce back and, and figure things out. So Gotcha.
2: And if um sorry, go ahead.
1: No, and we've also brought up the word rust a lot, which I just don't think translates to the postseason like this is the playoffs i, I really truly believe that every player comes in with en- enough excitement and adrenaline that rust just isn't really a factor i guess i'm just trying to say i don't really believe in rust when it comes to the postseason personally but what were you gonna say
2: i was gonna say like do you want to do a couple fun predictions like um if, if there's a walk-off home run by the yankees who do you think hits this series do you think there's a walk-off game in there in I, do. I do i
1: do and uh, only again, only because these teams uh, offensively can be so evenly matched, and um, I think the Yankees bullpen can keep a game tied and set up the hero to be our beloved Brett Gardner.
2: Gardy party, that'd be sick. That yeah. would be sick. Do you have a game prediction for that, or you just you don't know? <laughs> I
1: don't know. I'll, I'll just game two because I want to. I want to witness a postseason walk off in in person.
2: Yeah, you know the only issue is we're sitting in four oh six. So if Guardi hits one and pulls one, we're not going to know until we see the uh, the reaction. So you know we'll have to we'll have to play it by ear, quite literally.
1: I I really feel like if that happens, I really wouldn't
3: care. Oh <laughs> yeah, we
2: just going, You know you start jumping and you'll be hoping and praying that it gets out. But um, yeah, it'll it'll be a fun time for sure. Uh, I like that pick. I'm not I'm not going to dispute it. <laughs> All right, good. And if one pitcher shuts down the Twins, who do you think that is? Um, Tanaka. Yeah, I feel the same way. Cool.
1: Um, did you did gotta, you have a did you have a walk off hero you wanted to pick if you see a walk off <laughs> in
2: this series? Um, I I like the Gardner pick, but I'll be I'll be boring, and I'll say to 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 change from you, I'll I'll pick Aaron Jurge.
1: No, that is not boring at all. I think a Judge walk off would be awesome. He's he's the the heart of uh, if, the heart if of Judge didn't walk
2: off home run in the playoffs, would he flip his bat? <laughs> no. He came close when he hit the one in the wild card.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's what you would get, just like that uh, half flip where he just kind of like throws it the, back towards the
2: dugout. Yeah, the mini launch. Yeah, yeah.
1: which is still cool as hell.
2: Yeah. Anyway. All right, yeah, that that's all I got. Um, I just wanted a couple couple quirky things in there. Um, so, yeah, I guess, uh, what are you looking forward to this week? <laughs> do we even have to do this segment? <laughs> looking forward to the De- Devils opening up on Friday night?
1: <laughs> I am excited for hockey season, but, again, that's uh, whenever the Yankees are in the playoffs, that's kind of something I put on the back burner for a, what I hope to be a full month. But, yeah. Um, I mean, especially this season opener, the Devils open Friday night, which is obviously when the Yankees are playing.
2: Oh, I have a wedding Friday night.
1: I was supposed to be covering a football game, um, but thanks to, well, not thanks because it's actually a pretty dangerous thing up here right now, but the Triple E mosquito virus has uh, hit Connecticut. So all the football games have been moved up. So the game I cover now is at 4 o'clock, which means I will be able to watch the game, which I'm super excited excited about that change and then obviously Saturday will be there so that is definitely what I'm looking forward to this week I'm sure yours is the same
2: yeah absolutely playoff baseball one of my best friends is getting married on a playoff game so we'll talk about his standing in my best friend rankings at the wedding and um yeah that's a little ranger hockey too so it should be a fun week um i don't know this is this is my favorite month out of the year even when the yankees get knocked out i still love watching playoff baseball but it's amplified by a thousand percent when the yankees are in it uh nothing nothing's better than than watching watching uh the yankees play in the bronx and and we're lucky we have tickets now officially to every round if the Yankees go all the way. So um, I hope to make at least three more trips to the stadium.
1: Yeah, I hope so. That would be awesome, and um, and maybe more.
2: Sounds good. All right. So well, we, we have an interview.
1: Yeah, we do. We're going to talk to former Yankee Chris Dickerson, who definitely gave you a lot to cheer about when you went to a game back in what 2011.
2: 2012. 2012. It was, uh, I think it was Labor Day against the Orioles. He robbed a homer and hit a homer, and then Andrew Jones pinch hit for him like halfway through the game.
1: <laughs> well, that's still a pretty good game. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk to former Yankee Chris Dickerson, get his take on the playoffs, how he's been doing, recovering from some bad injuries of his own. has a has a great story. So, um, here he is. Uh, for, well, first, uh, thanks everyone so much for listening. We'll talk to everybody next week. Hopefully, the Yankees are still alive and kicking at that time that would be obviously a super exciting episode next week and we will try to have a guest if that happens but um thanks again go yanks and here's chris dickerson all right welcome back everybody we are joined now by former yankee chris dickerson spent eight years in in the big leagues and has also overcome a bunch of of knee surgeries, dealing with um, osteoarthritis since he was, since he was very young and is certainly something the current Yankees could relate to overcoming all of their injuries. But um, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, talking with us about your experience and your playing career.
0: This year. Um, you know, being being an LA guy, you know, we had the same you know, we had the same thing in uh, 2016 with the number of injuries, I believe it was twenty-eight, and that was like that was like an unprecedented number to watch, you know, those guys go down one after one. But what you guys have done, especially because historically, as you know, you know, going with the the Gaking minor league system. It's traditionally not been, you know, it's just been um hasn't really been a, a strong you know, a stronghold. It's like, you know, we buy three agents and you know, if they go down, it's just basically like patchwork, but these guys have come up and
1: done exceptional things, you know, with uh, you know, what Geo's done and what some of these other guys have been able to accomplish this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's truly been a, a testament to their to their depth and um and before we get into the the current Yankees at all I mean just what was it like for for you in, in your career that this you know this osteoarthritis in your knee is something you've been dealing with since you were since you were just a kid and you still went through an entire pro career just what was that experience like having to deal with that for an entire pro career and then what um what brought you now here to the present day where you're helping um shed more light on on what that on what that's been like for you yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's been it's been challenging, and
3: it's kind of one of those things where I've learned now, at, you know, at 37, that it's um, you know
0: it's definitely it's, it's it's a hindrance number one. You know, it's, it's just like it's, I feel like it's just a con it's a constant it's a constant burden that you know that people have to deal with that I had to deal with every day going to the park, and you know, it's definitely one of those things where you have these you know these day night turnarounds where. You know, you play 12 innings and then, you know, you play 12 innings and then come back for a one o'clock turnaround and just having to prep that, you know, and if you have, you know, swelling or pain or anything, it's just getting that managed the night before and then turning up and then turning right around and then getting prepped for the next day. But, um, you know, now at 37 and now, especially since I spend so much time here in New York, I realize that. You know it, how much it affects your how much it affects your mood and not necessary because everybody deals with injuries and you know you can be able to get into the training room and do your contrast, and you know do the you know do some anti you know take an anti-inflammatory or you know hop on the table get some stem and you know there's a dozen different treatments that are that are available to us but you know regular people that don't have that the luxury of having that type of Professional treatment it can be really rough. So you know, now at 37, walking around New York, you know, in the meetings all day, and to and from, it's it can be a very difficult thing um, at the end of the day. That doesn't doesn't necessarily put you in a great mood. So I can imagine what uh, you know what CC's going through right now. Um, you know him getting up. You know when he came out with the comment where he's uh, you know he says his pain is like an eight to ten. Every day, I mean, I can't imagine what that's like. You know, having to get on a plane and then getting off, getting to a hotel. It's, uh, you know, it's got it's got to put, It's got to be difficult. You know, on your on your you know personal relationships.
3: You know, on, on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You actually led into my my next question. We we just found out that Cece's not on the ALDS roster because he's still struggling with with his health, um, actually his shoulder right now. But like you said, the knee has been the major problem for him. He's looking at a knee replacement once he retires. And and the thing about baseball is is that it's the most daily grind of a sport than any other sport. You're playing a game every day, 162 games a year. I mean, speaking of, of CeCe, can you – I feel like you, of all people, can probably understand what he's going through with a degenerative knee issue – and and still trying to perform yeah. perform every day so what was that challenge like challenge like for you and what do you think that challenge is like for him not just not just to try to compete at your at your you know best overall ability but also just feeling physically able to do it on a daily basis right and you know that's a, that's a big shock um it's a big shock because i mean a, of all people,
0: just being around him, you know, for so, for so long and him being, you know, being a friend of mine and watching him over the years, but, you know, just the toll that it's taken on his body, but not only that, like in 2014, when he came back from the first surgery and then, you know, he had the shoulder problem and then he had the knee and just how that kind of, you know, coincides with each other's when you, when you have a knee issue and you're, you know, you tend to kind of favor one side or, or, um, uh, you know, favor one side, and that kind of you know can mess with your delivery. So you know, now he's dealing with the shoulder injury, but he's one of the greatest competitors. Um, you know, I've ever seen and one of the toughest guys I've ever seen. Um, being able to pitch through what he's done, what he's pitched through over the years, and you know, like you said, it's every day. And for him, you know, especially you know, younger in his career, he's throwing 250 innings and what you know the kind of legendary things that he did in 2000 eight with the Brewers and being able to throw, you know, back to back days every third day. You know, he's one of the you know, one of the most incredible competitors, you know, that I've ever been able to witness. And so, you know, for him to have that much pain to where he can't go is is very shocking. You know the severity of the pain that he's going through right now when, that, when that's the case, if he can't, you know, kind of get, get back to at least neutral to put in two or three innings. So, um, you know, that kind of speaks to the whole thing where it's, um, you know, there's only so much you can do, even with the, the best treatment in the world. Um, this, you know, this type, you know, this arthritic and this chronic knee pain, eventually, you know, it, there's nothing really that, uh, you know, that can be done on, on a daily basis. And so it's unfortunate for him. You know, being his agent already looking to, you know, do a, you know, a, a knee replacement, you know, knee replacement surgery. So you know, it's got to be really bad, and it's unfortunate because you know that guy will battle for his teammates till, you know, till, you know, till he's in the grave. So um, you know, him being able not to go, especially in his last season, is really unfortunate. I really feel feel bad. Um, you know, given what he's gone through with that injury, you know, just trying to get, just get across the finish line and get, get his team to the postseason. So, um, you know, I feel for him. And, I, you know, I've dealt with this a long time. And, you know, that daily prep, like you said, and doing it for eight years, um, you know, it's, it's rough. And so, you know, but I you know, wish him the best, best of luck. And hopefully he can get past this and he can, you know, he'll be
1: available for the next round. Absolutely, and, and he's far from the only Yankee dealing with um, nagging aches and pains and injuries. Gio Rochella coming off a sprained ankle, uh John Carlos Stan strained the PCL in his knee, so another another knee injury on the Yankees. Uh, Gary Sanchez is coming off a strained groin. Um Edwin Encarnacion, a strained oblique. Do these you know, you know, you appeared for the Yankees in the twenty eleven ALDS and obviously you had been dealing with something far more chronic and and nagging you can say so in your experience when you get to the postseason does adrenaline help dealing with these nagging aches and pains or you know it is the end of the season it is the end of a long grind but does that adrenaline of playing for a chance to get to the world series at least somewhat mask the physical pain that you might be enduring at that point in the season
0: yeah I think um yeah the lemon you know I mean it's You know, I deal with it on a daily basis, but 2012, I also had the oblique, and then so, But you know, when you get to September, it's kind of the same thing, where it's like, you know, you you know you don't have that much farther, it's like running a marathon and knowing that you're dead tired, and you're about here, and you're on the brink of collapse, but you realize you only have two miles, two miles left, and you feel like...
4: overcome quite a bit uh, this season. What do you make of the way that the Yankees have been able to fill in for the guys that have been injured and still put up a
0: have been around, you know, have some big league time, but are, you know, looking just to be emergency replacements in the case that something goes down. But, you know, this particular group is an excep- exceptional group of young talent that's been able to come up and just, you know, come into the big leagues, you know, fearlessly and to play up to their, you know, to their potential and, you know, far exceeding anybody's expectations. So, you know, some of these things, but to sustain, you know, these performances throughout the year has been really exceptional. What Gio's been able to do, what herman has been able to do and some of these other guys, um, it really is, it's really really amazing. So I think it's a testament to how that uh, organization has been overhauled, or the minor league system has been overhauled the last couple years. Um, You know, obviously with the, you know, with the emergence of, you know, this great young talent, you know, two or three years ago and they kind of put that schedule that, you know, they'd be competing for a World Series title within two or three years. And I think this is, I think this is legitimately the year um, even with you know this under the circumstances, which is even even more amazing. So you know those guys should be more than proud of what they've accomplished. And um, you know for weathering the storm, the New York media being called the you know the, the baby bombers and the C team and all that stuff. I mean it's um, it's pretty amazing.
4: And a lot of the reason that these guys all got opportunities were. A plethora of core injuries, oblique strains and things like that. Obviously there were a couple of freak injuries mixed in, but the majority of injuries were core and oblique. And do you think it's something that the Yankees should be looking at in the off season into is their training staff and training program does it need to be revamped or do you think it's just been an aberration this season and they should continue business as usual?
0: You know, I think it's been I think this probably for about roughly a decade. I think this has been a, the oblique injury. I think it's all been a concern. I think for a couple of years there was a what you could call an epidemic of core core injuries and oblique strains, and I think this may be attributed to the overtraining and just the how the complexion of training in the off season has changed, where these guys are starting to lift in November and December, and then you know they're getting to spring training already in, in playing condition, and so. I have this conversation with some of the, you know, the older guys that you know play in the '70s and '80s, and you know, these guys are going to spring training to get in shape. You know, we're getting to spring training already in midseason shape, and so then to go in um, in midseason shape to be training for three months at a high level, and then to go into spring training, play 20, 30 games, and then just try to get through 162 games is is incredibly taxing. And so I think that's just where we are as modern day training and the preparation that goes into the season is that. I think it's just a lot of stress on you know just the amount of core work that you do
3: when we already play a rotational sport and you're already going out there and throwing you know two two hundred you know throws two hundred
0: swings and so you know a lot of this is becoming from overdevelopment of you know one side. Um, so I think there's a I think there's kind of an imbalance when you get into some of these you know these rotational sports and that's why we're seeing so many obliques because I remember I had the same thing in 2012. Right after spring training, that kept me out for—I mean, every every single day of you know the, the six weeks that it took me to get back. So, you know, going down to Tampa and, and rehabbing that was you know it was was very difficult. So, um, but so you know I don't have an answer. You know I don't have an answer. I'm not a you know sports ther- therapist or a kinesiology you know uh, expert, but. You know, there has been a significant increase across the league of these oblique injuries, but, you know, you're right, there's also the freaks, you know, injuries too, like Dylan and
4: his Achilles. Um, You know, that's about as freaks they get especially the way it happened with them just doing a little hop off the mound. But, um, you know, something else you're involved in is the Players for the Planet. And I know you're one of the leaders there. And I was wondering if you could let us know what you've been doing with that recently. It's obviously a hot topic um, with, you know, our climate changing and everything like that. Uh, so what have you been involved in in Players for the Planet? Uh, yes, yeah, so we went down, we
0: actually went down to uh, the Dominican um, two weeks ago, um, I was here a couple weeks ago doing interviews and then flew down to Dominican straight from here. And I just wanted to take um, uh, actually another former Yankee, Slate um has joined me um, as a partner with, you know, with our efforts for Players for the Planet. So I wanted to go down there and kind of get some footage and basically kind of do a recap and. You know, we wanted to visit different parts of the island that we weren't able to do when we went down there for our first cleanup. And so I wanted him to kind of visit some of the places, the affected, the really affected places of some of the waste that's going on, the waste issues that's going on in Dominican. And so we went to Plaid Montesinos, which is right outside Santo Domingo, to the location that we cleaned up with parlay for the oceans. Um, And it was, you know, it was as bad. If not, you know it's as bad if not worse I mean two times worse than when we were there previously and just driving throughout the country um, it just became more apparent that there's a serious you know crisis not just and you know just to remove the whole the climate change you know rhetoric it's you know it's an issue of us being really irresponsible with our waste and how we you know how we treat our communities and how you know especially the effect that single-use plastic has on, on these environments and you know, we were able to see that, you know, these entire fishing villages have been shut down because of, you know, because of this algae that's in the water that, you know, kind of came up from, you know, the the fires in Brazil and the rainforest and then other different pollutants that are in the water that come out from industrial waste and how that affects the local communities. But um, just seeing the river, the state of the rivers and how the trash is simply just thrown and dumped into, um, you know, these these remote places where I don't really think that anybody, you know, knows or sees it, but it's definitely an eyesore and we have happen to stumble on a enormous garbage dump that is probably six six football fields long where they simply just take the trash and it can't be recycled and they just basically burn it. So I think there's um, there's huge potential for a behavioral change that we're that we're working on and we're working with MLB and the Dominican offices and the Dominican Summer League to get you know a lot of these young kids and these, um, you know, young kids involved, and so um, having Nelson Cruz and having Robinson Cano, um, you know, dedicated to this to this project. I know they're excited to go back down on December sixth to do, um, you know, to do another cleanup and to bring awareness to this to this issue. And you know, we're not using the Dominican as an example of it being a. You know, a dirty country. This is a microcosm of what what's happening all over the
1: world with the you know the mismanagement of you know the waste and the single plastic, plastic crisis that we that we're starting to see um, in these beautiful island countries. We're talking with Chris Dickerson, former Yankee, and now helping raise awareness of the impact of osteoarthritis, which Chris has dealt with for a number of years. Now, Chris, before we let you go, can you just kind of uh, describe the early. Experiences of, of dealing with, with osteoarthritis. You had your first knee surgery when you were just in high school, and, and doctors told you you probably wouldn't be able to play sports past the age of 20 or, or 21. So I, I just mean, what was it like overcoming those, those obstacles when you were told at such a young age, when obviously you're dreaming of becoming a pro, that it might not be physically possible, and then to be able to overcome that? Right, yeah.
0: brace, A neoprene knee brace, and you know, at the time, I thought it was cool being on the basketball court and having to get to wear that neoprene sleeve like Jordan did. Um, but then, you know, I just started having, I just started having more and more pain, and you know, I got to my freshman year of high school, and I remember it just, you know, the lack of strength uh, and the pain that I had, you know, walking around campus, and so that kind of got me thinking that, you know, I was, I was on the road to, you know, something that might be catastrophic, and then eventually happened. Um, you know, I ended up quitting football because I didn't want to accelerate the process. And so it actually, the, you know, the catastrophic injury actually happened during the baseball game. And so I had surgery my, you know, my junior year, the summer of my junior year. And I was on crutches for most of my senior year. And, uh, you, know, with a, you know, they put a screw in to reattach this piece that fell out. Um, and then they, you know, took the screw out. But you know, after that, the doctor told me that I likely wouldn't play baseball or organized sports past the age of twenty twenty one because the arthritis would eventually be so bad. And you know, I just kind of used that as a challenge. Um, but I was lucky enough to have the procedure when I did, where I was young enough to where I, you know, I heal, I healed up. But eventually, you know, the wear and tear of professional baseball, you know, continued to to um, really, you know, the the pain became more and more significant. Um, but the weird thing is, is I never miss a game. I never went on a DL because of, because of knee soreness or anything like that, which is pretty which is pretty shocking. Um, but, you know, here we are at 37 after, you know, 15 years of professional baseball, and, you know, you're really starting to see the effects. And, you know, I just want, I knew that I had to seek, you know, had to go out and seek a, you know, some type of treatment because, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, people who suffer from osteoarthritis don't have the luxury of being able to go in and getting – you know, in a multi-million-dollar training facility, and get in the hot tub, and get you know, um, you know, stem, and um, you know, all these different you know high-tech treatments. So, you know, I was lucky, luckily enough to consult with a doctor when I was here in New York, um, you know, about the use of a uh, you know corticosteroid, you know, that would give me some longevity, like as a you know lubricant. Um, so, you know, I, um, ended up getting treat- treated with, uh, Zilretta, which is, um, you know, which is kind of a, I've had the injections before during spring training just to get me through, but this is a, you know, significantly longer, uh, longer lasting and it's, uh, it's been great. But, you know, I just, you know, recommend that people who kind of suffer with just knee pain in general, because it doesn't necessarily, especially young, you know, young athletes who come out of the game. You know, we all suffer these, you know, these aches and pains of, you know, sur- you know surgeries and past injuries, and, you know, there are, there are solutions out there, and I was just fortunate enough to, to be treated with, you know, by Dr. Clancher while I was out here. Um, so, you know, it's one, one of those things I kind of got used to it during my playing career, but now, you know, I, it's something that I really have to manage. Um, you know, whether it's in the gym or, you know, going to, you know, getting, you know, in the hot tub, but you know, not everybody has the luxury of doing some of these things. So, you know, it'd be my advice to everybody to, you know, go seek, um, you know, some other options because they're, they're out there and with you know, modern medical technology, there's so many different advancements and, you know, innovations that's going on that can help people with knee pain, um, that, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be, I'd be wise to, uh, go out and, you know, seek some of these options.
1: Great, great, great stuff, Uh, everybody. That's Chris Dickerson. a former major league player played a couple seasons with the Yankees, and obviously overcame a bunch of early physical hurdles in his career. The Yankees this year will try to do the same for a few more weeks. But Chris, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. And you know, like I said, if anybody has any you know any questions, uh, if you think that you know you guys need. Um, you know, are seeking some type of treatment, you know, I advise, you know, go talk to a doc, you know, one of your local doctors or physicians about, you know, Zylretta and visit the website, com for
1: more information. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you, Chris.